We made this. Welcome to Life's Milestones, the podcast right here on the We Made This Podcast Network, where we interview a different guest each time about birth and naming ceremonies, weddings and relationships and funerals and death. My name's Mark Adams and I am your host. I'm also a humanist celebrant. That means I'm trained and accredited by Humanists UK to write and present humanist ceremonies such as naming ceremonies, weddings and funerals. I do other stuff as well, renaming ceremonies, pet funerals and other such ceremonies to mark milestones in people's life. And that is what my podcast is about. My guest at this time is Wendy Andrew from the Scottish Pet Bereavement Counselling Service. And Wendy's another one of these guests that I've found through reaching out to people on social media, in Facebook groups and such things to try and find guests to cover things I'm interested in covering in rather than always just going to my mates. And I thought Wendy would be perfect because we have talked about bereavement and funerals for pets on this podcast a fair few times before on previous episodes. So I thought Wendy would be brilliant and someone to bring an expert element to that discussion. So what I'll do now is I'll pass you over to my interview with Wendy Andrew. With me at this time is Wendy Andrew. Hello, Wendy. Hi, Mark. Thanks for having me on. Welcome to Life's Milestones. It's nice to have someone on that kind of touches on something that we've discussed on the podcast in the past. So um, we'll get into that later. First of all, it is a little bit of a personal question. How old are you? I'm 45. Okay, so you're you're one of these 40-somethings like me, good. <laughs> yes, I've lived a bit, but I've still got a bit to go yet, I hope. This is how I feel, you know. You, um, you feel like you're actually vaguely something resembling wise, but you're still young <laughs> to get on with it and use that wisdom. Yes, but still young enough to be a bit silly sometimes. Who wants a life where you're not silly? That's the best part. so where are you from and tell us a little bit about your background Uh, well I'm from Glasgow in Scotland born and bred and um, I used to live in Cape Cod in the USA as well um, when I was a student and my, my background is actually dog walking and I then became a pet bereavement counsellor from that right so is it just a lifelong interest in animals that got you into that or how did you get into that? Yeah, well, my parents, um, when I was growing up, they were Labrador breeders and we had a lovely house on the outskirts of Glasgow that was in quite a remote area and we had um, a bit of land and then we had a forest next door. So I grew up surrounded 
um, by animals. I kind of sound a little bit like I had a, a snow white um, childhood, which I, I guess I kind of did. You know, there was always rabbits <laughs> and deer and fox in the garden. And there was a farm next door as well. So there was always the cows and the sheep as well for company, which was quite nice. And uh, yes, yeah, so I've always loved animals and I've been a vegetarian for 30 years. Um, more because of you know my love of animals that I don't really want to eat them um so yeah having grown up around the Labradors I've always had you know that that sort of warmth with them um although Pixie my 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 dog that I have she's a Pomeranian Chihuahua so we don't talk about Labradors in front of her (laughs) (laughs) so tell me about your business it's called the Scottish Pet Bereavement Counselling Service is that right Yes, it is. And as I say, that was born from my dog walking business. One of my client dogs very nearly um, had a a fatal accident at home. She had swallowed some ibuprofen and it was just one of those tragic things that could have happened to anyone. It was completely accidental and we nearly lost her. And I had walked her since, well, before walkies days you know she did puppy visits you mm. know was still a, a crazy little puppy and very very fond of this pup and and her humans and <laughs> it was one of those horrible situations that when I got the the message from her owners telling me what had happened and I just thought oh my goodness what can I do how can I help them you know I I was obviously being supportive but I wanted to know that I was doing it in the right way right. so I decided there and then I must do better. So I took a course with the ISCP, which is the International School for Canine Psychology and Behaviour. And I became a pet bereavement counsellor, mainly to support my own clients when the time comes. And I thought that's a really good thing to offer a cradle to grave service. Yeah. And I just basically thought, well, do you know what? I'm getting such good feedback about this. You know, people are always saying, you know, that's a really needed service because so many people don't have that support. And I thought, you know what, you're right. So I decided to open the service up to everybody if they needed it rather than just my clients. And yeah, the Scottish Pet Bereavement Counselling Service was born. That's amazing. And we've talked a lot about pet funerals and grief when a pet dies on this podcast and I actually put a little survey up on my Life's Milestones Twitter basically saying what's your opinion of pet funerals Mm. and the options were it's a really nice idea it would help me not for me but I'm glad that they exist and that's a silly idea get over it And I'm very happy that there was no responses, zero response for that's a silly idea. Get over it. And I do feel like people are because, you know, anyone who's had a pet will understand the grief that they've had personally, that people aren't seeing the services that you provide or pet funerals that I could potentially provide as hokey anymore. But I think that's a relatively recent thing, don't you think? Yes, absolutely, Mark. I am on a bit of a mission to combat what's called disenfranchised grief. And that's grief that's not acknowledged or accepted in society. Mm. And we spoke earlier about the, the sort of lack of support. And 
you know, I, I do find quite often that people require my service because they're not getting the support they need from their own peer group or even indeed their own family. Hmm. And it is exactly those people saying, oh, it's just an animal or, you know, are you still not over this yet? And really, it takes as long as it takes. Everybody's entitled to their feelings. And Hmm. I really do think that we're in an era where the spotlight is really on kindness and compassion. It may be just a cat or a dog or a goldfish or a bird or any species. It's grief for pet loss is not species specific. And I really do think it's important that people know that the support is there for them if they need it. And I think my service is so needed because there is a lack of support. There is disenfranchised grief, you know, and it may be just an animal to one person, but that person's opinion doesn't really matter. It's about the grieving pet parent. So who cares if somebody else thinks it's a silly idea? It's about what's what the person who's lost their pet is feeling. That's the person whose feelings are important and matter. And they're the ones that need the support, regardless of what other people think. So I really want disenfranchised grief to be done away with. And I'm on a bit of a mission, as I said, to combat that and to let people know that their feelings are valid and that Mm. I'm there to support them. And I'll always be an advocate for them. And I couldn't agree more on that. I mean, the thing is, you know, you and I both can potentially provide different services for people who are grieving from pets. Mm. But I think what you're talking about, the disenfranchisement, the it's only a pet. I think people are learning. I think people really are better than they were only 2010, maybe even five years ago when it comes to being kind to people that are grieving from pet loss. Yes, I completely agree. And I think even just in the past year with everything that's been happening, people are having a bit of a wake up call as to, you know, I I actually listened to another podcast and it's done by Theo Rossi from Sons of Anarchy. And he did a fantastic podcast with with Kim Coates, who starred as, as Tig alongside him. And in the early days of lockdown, they mentioned... Um, you know, the the whole situation that we find ourselves in internationally. And Theo said something that really resonated with me. And it was this whole lockdown era gives us an opportunity for introspection. And he said, welcome to yourself. And I just thought that's amazing, you know, and we're all feeling that just now. So I think people are being a bit more introspective and thinking about how they are towards other people. And when Caroline Flack sadly took her own life earlier in the year, the internet Mm. and social media was covered with be kind. And I don't want that to be a passing trend or a passing hashtag. I want that be kind and be compassionate to continue and for people to keep on thinking about how other people are thinking or feeling and how their words and actions affect other people. And I think if people can get on board with that, then that is the kind of gateway to doing away with disenfranchised grief. I think you're right. And I think society is moving towards a culture of it being okay to ask. If you don't understand something, if you can't understand someone's pain over a pet, it's okay to ask. And it's also okay not to understand as long as you are kind. Yeah, 
and that's one of the reasons why I do what I do and um, I don't know if it's too early to, to mention my book but one of the reasons that I wrote the book was as a low-cost alternative to counselling so that I could still help people during this time where mm. interaction is very very limited. Brilliant stuff, brilliant stuff. We'll cover this more when we talk about funerals a little bit later on in the podcast. But shall we get into the meat? Shall I ask you some really personal questions? (laughs) Well, not the meat, I'm a vegetarian, Mark. (laughs) Oh, me too, I know. I shouldn't have said that. (laughs) Get into the juicy bit. (laughs) There we go. The the juicy carrot. I don't know. Okay, so we're going to move on to talk about birth. So when and where and how were you born? Well, I was born in 1975 in Glasgow. And how I was born, just regularly in the hospital as nature Mm. intended. (laughs) So tell us a favourite story about your childhood. Oh, goodness, there's so many um, good stories. I mean, obviously, I have like the the happy memories of, of Christmas and holidays and things like that. Labradors. On Labradors, yes, they always feature <laughs> heavily. But one of my favourite childhood memories was actually my father was a, a police officer and both my parents worked. And there was one day my sister and I came home from school and the two of us were absolutely ravenous. And my dad had been early shift, so he was at home when we came in. And he was out cutting the grass and whatnot. And, you know, we said to him, oh, dad, can we have a snack? Um, Can we make some toast? And he said, no, you'll spoil your dinner and your mum will go crazy if you don't eat your dinner, blah, blah, blah. So we thought, right, okay, that's fine. So he went back out to the garden and uh, carried on doing what he was doing. So my sister and I sneaked the toaster, the bread, the peanut butter, everything that we could possibly need up to her bedroom. (laughs) So, yes, you can can see what kind of a family I come from. (laughs) So we completely disobeyed my dad, but we had obviously inspired him in some way. So he basically finished what he was doing in the garden, came back in and thought, oh, do you know, I could really go a wee bit of toast and peanut butter. (laughs) And he couldn't find anything. And he was like, where's the toaster? Where's the bread? Where's the peanut butter? Where's everything gone? So he phoned my mum at her work and said, did you take the bread to work with you in in the toaster? And she was like, why on earth would you phone me up and ask me such a stupid question? <laughs> you know, and he said, I, I can't find anything. It's all gone. And she said, where are the girls? <laughs> then the penny just dropped. <laughs> but the great thing about my dad was that, you know, although being a police officer, you would expect him to be quite a disciplinarian. He so was not. He's completely the opposite of that. Because I think having seen so many awful things in his career, he basically thought, you know, what, whatever my sister and I were doing was quite funny. So he had a really hard time disciplining us when he actually, you know, thought it was quite amusing. And he had little crows <laughs> at the side of his eyes. So you could always tell if he was serious or not. And he was like, you really shouldn't have done this. But then the wrinkles would show. And you're like, yeah, we're not in trouble for this at all. <laughs> it doesn't sound like he's a man who was very good at poker. No, (laughs) I wouldn't have thought so. (laughs) That's brilliant. Thank you so much for sharing that. Do you have children yourself? I don't. No, I don't. Not at this point, but I'm open to it in the future, perhaps. Right. So if you do have children, do you think you'll have a naming ceremony, a christening or any other ceremony to welcome them into the world? 
Well, at my age, it's highly unlikely that I would have my own children. So um, there, there is a possibility, perhaps, of adoption. Right. And so, again, there is a possibility that they would already have a name. But, I mean, certainly, if I if I did have my own children, then, yeah, I, I, I dare say I would have a naming ceremony. I'm not a particularly religious person. But I think that is a nice thing to do to, to make, you know, a, a bit of an occasion of that sort of thing. I mean, you can actually adapt a naming ceremony to make it an adoption ceremony. I haven't had the pleasure of doing that, but I have had colleagues that have, and they're so lovely. Maybe if you do adopt, that could be something you'd consider as well. Absolutely, and you would be the very first person I would call. <laughs> well, that's very kind of you. There's some very good celebrants in Scotland, actually. Yes, I, I, I do actually follow one from the Highlands on, on Facebook, and he's absolutely hilarious. <laughs> mm. So if you had a naming ceremony for this child that you don't have yet. <laughs> Do you have any idea of what you might want to incorporate into that ceremony? Well, obviously my dog Pixie would have to be part of this the ceremony, but um, yeah, it's not something that I've, I've ever given a huge amount of thought to. But yeah, I think it would just be a kind of a celebration if I was adopting, you know, perhaps having a, you know, obviously this, the, the family surname focusing mm. quite on that because it's welcome to this whole yeah. bunch of people you know so I think it, there would be a strong focus on that. Yeah and, and animals in ceremonies are one of two things they're either wonderful and memorable and it's lovely and adorable mm-hmm. or they're a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> so that is a risk you would be running. That's true. Pixie is one of those kind of dogs who tends to steal the limelight quite a lot. So um, it would probably be all about her, I'm sure. (laughs) Okay, so we're going to move on and talk a little bit about marriage. First question is, are you married? No, I'm not married either. No. No. So do you want to get married? Do you think you believe in marriage? Yeah, I mean, I certainly do believe in marriage. Um, I just haven't met the um, sort of potential husband as yet. Um, I, I have uh, dated extensively over the years, but mm. never quite found the one. Yeah, and, you know, there's um, a lot of folk on this podcast, similar age to you and me, that are in a similar position. I'm not married myself, in fact. And I think there's, people still talk like there's a stigma about not being married at our age. And I'm like fuck off (laughs) i work in this industry there is no stigma anymore you are wrong yeah i mean it's one of those things that i think if you meet somebody and you feel that they are enhancing your life in some way and that they're going to stick around and become a, a permanent fixture then i think it's it's a lovely way to acknowledge that um, I don't think it's necessary for, for everybody. No. But, you know, as as I say, I, I just sort of haven't found that person that I'm right for them at the same time that they're right for me. Yeah. Ever hopeful it might happen, but mm. you know, I don't I don't think there's as strong a focus or a sort of necessity. I think it is quite I think maybe sort of in the past it has been a kind of a societal expectation and there's been you know obviously men are celebrated as being bachelors whereas women 
get written off as old maids and spinsters. That kind of thing drives me crazy. Doesn't it just? But I think now women are kind of reclaiming the, the sort of bachelorette part. I'm quite happy to be single and have my life quite smooth and uncomplicated by other people's dramas. So to be perfectly <laughs> honest, I'm not particularly bothered one way or t'other whether I'm married or not, or if I mm. meet somebody or not. My life is pretty good as it is. And if I met somebody that enhanced that, then that would be terrific. And if not, I've got no issue with that whatsoever. I think that's the perfect way to to think about it. And also in your case, I'm presuming that they would have to like dogs. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> Cats was a, was a prerequisite for me. So, you know. <laughs> I'm slightly <laughs> allergic to cats. But, you know, as long as they are an animal lover, then that's fine with me. If they're not an animal lover, then I would question whether that's the right person for me. So the the, the cat allergic thing, this is nothing to do with the podcast. They're just, you mm. like animals, I like animals. The cat allergic thing, right? Yes. It is possible to be allergic to cats, but not a specific cat that you've got used to. So my partner is horribly allergic to all the cats apart from our cat. And he's fine with her. Interesting. Oh. It took him a while. I can imagine. <laughs> no, I, I've got friends who have cats and I always have to take antihistamines before I go yep. and visit. <laughs> when he used to come over, when I, when we when we didn't live t- together, he used to come over and he just melts. And I was like, well, we're a two-part deal. If you want me, you've got to have the cats. Yes, you'll just need to get used to it. <laughs> So it is possible. So, you know, if you meet someone with a cat, you might want to, like, put in the legwork, maybe. (laughs) Only if they're worth it. (laughs) For real. So what would be involved in your perfect wedding, do you think? Again, it's not something I've given a a huge amount of thought to. I mean, I, I don't think I would want some huge elaborate ceremony with, all the trimmings I'm a bit more of a kind of low-key person I would be just as Mm. happy getting married at home with you know a pizza delivery as I would with going away you know to a destination for a wedding or you know just maybe something quite small and intimate and yeah I I just I don't really know to be honest I would need (laughs) to discuss that with my future husband (laughs) fair enough so have you thought about what you would like as your first dance no. <laughs> no. Maybe something quite upbeat. Um, and I, I do quite like um, Strictly and all those sorts of things. So I think, you know, it would maybe be fun to perhaps engage the services of a, a, a dance professional and learn a proper dance. Because quite often when you attend a wedding, you know, it's just two people shuffling around the floor and you just think, well, that's a bit sad. The walk around slowly dance, I call it. Yes, that's exactly it. And I just think that's it. You know, I I don't mean that in a bad way and I'm not bashing anybody. But, you know, I think for your first dance, I personally would prefer something a bit more of a a show, you know, just to say, well, this is our first dance. This is something to remember and something to be talked about years later. Like, oh, I mean, I'm not expecting to do a 
dirty dancing Patrick Swayze lift in the middle of the floor or anything like that. I wouldn't want anybody putting their back out at this age. But <laughs> So no Argentine tango like on Strictly then? <laughs> not quite. Maybe something along those lines, but not quite as, you know, injury inducing. A tango tango, not an Argentine one. Yes, yes. Maybe something <laughs> a bit more... You know, I don't know, but something that you would remember and that you could say, oh, your first dance was so beautiful rather than, mm. oh, your first dance was disappointing. That's amazing. Yeah. I love stuff like that when people kind of adapt the kind of accepted norms and just make them that little bit quirkier but recognisable. I think that's yeah. brilliant. So we're going to move on to basically the reason why I invited you on the podcast. It's to talk about death, but obviously in your case, to some extent, we're going to be looking more at pets and pet bereavement when it comes to death. But we'll go through all the normal questions. I am going to ask you about your own funeral as well. The first question is, are you scared of death? Um, No, I, I wouldn't say I'm scared of death. I'm more scared of the manner of which I arrive there, mm. if you know what I mean. I, I don't want it to be sore. I would rather not be in pain. So, you know, I think something quick and painless would be quite acceptable um, or something that I'm not aware of. But, yeah, I, mm. I wouldn't want to be scared or in pain or in distress at the time of my passing. That makes a lot of sense. Have you ever experienced the death of a loved one? Sadly, yes. Uh, my grandmother died when I was eight years old, so it was quite a kind of early experience of death. And mm. I was very close to her and absolutely adored her. Um, sadly, you know, she was my only grandparent that I knew of. The other three had passed before I was born. Right. So, you know, she was my, my one and only granny. And she was a lovely lady. And that was it was very sad to lose her at such a young age. And... Obviously, I've, you know, sort of lost pets in the past as well. So I have learned how to how to deal with that over the years. Hmm. So what you've talked about having lost pets in the past, is that what inspired you to do what you do? In a way, yes. I really related to my clients that I mentioned earlier and I wanted to support them in the right way. And I, I kind of thought, well, I know how I felt in that moment and I can imagine how they must be feeling obviously mm. everybody's experience of death and grief is different and it affects people in different ways so I would never presume to know how somebody is feeling it's different for everybody so I you know I know how I felt at that time and I know how upsetting it was for me and how I didn't know where to turn with it yeah and I just wanted to educate myself so that I was of use to other people. And I'm going to ask you a question that I'm sure you get from quite aggressive people. So I'm sure it's one that you've dealt with in the past. Do you feel that it's fair to compare the grief of losing a pet to having lost a family member? Yes, I do. So do I. <laughs> if you could maybe explain a little. <laughs> I'd be only too happy to. I absolutely do feel that it is just as valid because for some people, their companion animal is all that they've got. 
when you consider the human companion animal bond, it's incredibly strong, particularly with people who have an emotional support animal or a service animal. Mm. For a lot of people, their animal is the only companion that they have and they don't have a lot of human interaction. So certainly for those people, it's absolutely valid. And even though I'm a, a pet bereavement professional, Pixie and I are a team of two. And I know <laughs> that I will be absolutely distraught when she goes. And I just think that anybody who invalidates somebody else's feelings, it's very inconsiderate and very insensitive because we all go through the same stages of grief yeah. that were, you know, the, the model of the five stages of grief by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross would be denial, bargaining, anger, depression, and then acceptance. Mm. But with pet bereavement, you also have anticipatory grief a lot of the time if your animal is elderly or unwell. You know that that is an event that is going to come. So you have the anticipatory grief. And oftentimes with animals there's guilt involved and that yeah. can be you know have i taken them to the vet too soon or have i you know waited too long should i have prevented an accident in some way shape or form so there's all these feelings of grief which are just as valid in pet loss as they are in human I think to some extent there's an element of fear of stigmatization as well. You feel this yes. bad, but you don't want people to know because they might look down on you. And that really, really sucks. Yes, that harks back to the disenfranchised grief. And it's almost as if people feel obliged to suppress how they're feeling. So that's why I think that the counselling is so important because it gives people a healthy outlet for their emotions and to yeah. let them know that how they're feeling is okay, it is valid, it is normal, and that there's no judgment here. I mean, I know for me, when I lost my cats, the, the, not the current one, obviously, the um, my, fir my first cat, she was horrid. Nobody liked my cat except me, but oh. I was absolutely inconsolable completely distraught and yeah. there was nowhere for me to go and the only way I could help myself was to get a new cat there was no yeah. nowhere else for me to go and um my current cat is the opposite she is the most loving adorable soppy floppy dopey kitty that everybody loves <laughs> and I feel like people might give me more kindness because of the type of cat she is and I don't feel like I'm going to be any more or any less sad when she goes yeah I mean it's it's about respecting your feelings whether your your cat had a bit of a sassy attitude or not you know <laughs> that's another <it> statement <laughs> <laughs> yes. she hit my mother oh <laughs> maybe your mother deserved it I'm <laughs> well, I think the cat thought that for sure. <laughs> yes, cats make up their own minds about things, don't they? <laughs> but, you know, it's it's one of those things. It's your feelings at that time that's important, not other people's. And people should respect how you're feeling rather than whether the nature of the, the cat was appealing to them or not. That mm. doesn't matter. They should be there to support you. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Mm. 
So we're going to move on now and we're going to talk about your funeral. Have you decided whether you want to be buried or cremated? Well, I'm hoping it's not a decision I have to make for quite some time, Mark. Well, me too. You seem like a nice lady. (laughs) Thank you very much. (laughs) Um, I'm not really keen on either burial or cremation, if I'm honest. But I did see a thing quite recently and I thought, oh, isn't that fantastic? And it was really, it was kind of like a pod, almost like a kind of egg-shaped thing. And you get buried in this and a tree grows and basically as you decompose all your nutrients go to feed this tree so you become part of a forest and i thought that was a really beautiful idea that's fantastic i don't think or at least in england i don't think that that is currently legal if you send me over the link if you know what it is what i'll do is i'll stick it on social media so people can have a look at it but i think it's probably something that we would need to campaign for because at least English laws, I'm not so sure about Scottish, but English laws are very, very strict about the disposal of bodies. So I'm fascinated by this. I I think it's such a lovely idea. Isn't it? If it's not legal, it should be. I agree, but I think we need to investigate this further. But do you remember where you saw this article? It was on Facebook. Um, And it was quite some time, but I'll I'll have a dig around it because I definitely thought that was something that I would like because you know it's one of those things when you when you're in the the business of death you do kind of think about it sometimes and yeah as honorable as sky burials are you know the Tibetan sky burials I know that that's not legal here for sure Mm. but but again you kind of have the idea of giving back to nature it's kind of the partly inspiration for this idea of the podcast was that when I was trained we all had to come up with a poem and the music that we would want for our own funeral and ever since then I feel like encouraging other people to help their families should be part of my mission really. Yeah it's a subject that we don't spend enough time thinking about and we hope will never happen but it's one of the the only things in life that is inevitable so I think probably it's a good thing obviously that you're you're doing this podcast but I think it is something that we do need to spend more time on. Mm. That being said, have you thought about a reading that you would like at your funeral? No, I actually haven't. (laughs) I'm embarrassed (laughs) to say. (laughs) You're not the first person. That is the question that people struggle the most with on this podcast. Funnily enough, the one about are you scared of death? Everyone's got an answer. But that's the one that no one's got an answer for. Yeah, I think I maybe just haven't found it yet. Hmm. So maybe I should do a bit more reading and see if there's something that jumps out at me so i as i do read quite a lot so I'll, I'll certainly look out for something and and mark that for future okay so what about the music tracks that you would select for your entrance reflection and the exit for your funeral I, well, i'm not too sure you know sort of what, what order but i certainly do like dock of the bay by otis redding that's quite a nice peaceful song and you know it kind of gives this sort of element of reflection in that you know Mm -hmm. where you would just be you know sort of sitting looking out to see contemplating so I definitely think that would be a song I would like to have in there somewhere. Any other thoughts on some what you might have uh, as well or is it just the one so far that you definitely (laughs) got down? (laughs) 
just 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 the one so far that I've definitely um, got my heart set on. I mean, um, in theory, you can have what you like at your funeral. You can have the same song played three times. But... Well, that that's true, but you know, the, the the music I listen to isn't really conducive to funeral settings. I don't think anybody would really want to hear Snoop Dogg at a funeral, would they? <laughs> it's your funeral. If you want Snoop Dogg at your funeral, you can have Snoop Dogg. That's very true. That's a very valid point. <laughs> <laughs> what was that other song? Um, there, there was Walk the Dinosaur is another ridiculous animal one. Who let the dogs out? What else? What else could we have? <laughs> oh goodness, there's so many with animals featuring. But you know, I suppose although animals are a big part of my life, they're not the sum total of it. Mm. They they are constant companions, you know, and it, it's quite often the case, you know, sometimes when I say to people, you know, what would you associate with me? Because I was actually doing a radio show a while ago and I was asked to pick some songs. Right. And I thought it would be a fun thing to do to open it up to my friends in Facebook and say, you know, what song reminds you of me? And the amount of people who are acquaintances who are lovely people because I obviously only have nice people that I like on my Facebook but yeah. um, I, I basically you know kind of thought this is quite telling about the people who know me as me as opposed to the people that know me as Wendy the dog walker or Wendy the pet bereavement counsellor right. because there's so many people that had dog themed songs that they suggested you know whereas what I was really looking for was what song would make you think of me as a person mm. so it was quite an interesting social experiment and you know people that I've known from school or you know socially from quite a young age you know they picked songs that were playing in the background when we were having a a, a great time or making memories or songs from holidays or that kind of thing you know so yeah. I, yeah. It's maybe something that I could throw out as a poll when I get nearer that time. (laughs) That's such a good idea. Get everyone involved in your funeral with you. That's Yeah. Yeah. A Facebook consultation on what you could play at your funeral. What a good idea that is. Absolutely. And I actually have a funny story about that from one of my aunts. And uh, she was a real chatterbox. And I think she and my mum, they were in the same class at school. And they were notorious for for talking, the two of them. And she was terminally ill and she passed away a number of years ago. And the vicar at her funeral, basically, you know, he had the place in an absolute uproar. It was hilarious. It was one of the best funerals I've ever been to. (laughs) And my Aunt Vivian, she had picked a song by Take That, I think it was, and it was nothing to say at all. And he just said, are you kidding me? (laughs) and we all were absolutely cracked up at this because she was so chatty and lively you know and you just thought I don't think she's ever been stuck for words in her life (laughs) brilliant brilliant Wendy it's been an absolute pleasure having you on Life's Milestones I want you to tell everybody about your business and your book this is your opportunity to plug yourself and let everyone know what you can provide for them. Oh, how very un-British. <laughs> eh. <laughs> Thank you very much. Well, yes, I'm Wendy Andrew and I'm the founder of the Scottish Pet Bereavement Counselling Service. And you'll find me on Facebook 
at the Scottish Pet Bereavement Counselling Service. The website is www.thescottishpetbereavementcounsellingservice.com. I'm also on Twitter and Instagram as the underscore SPBCS. And I'm also on LinkedIn and I'm offering uh, corporate packages as well because I would like to encourage employers to be a bit more compassionate to their employees and incorporate some HR policies that include pet bereavement leave. So I'm happy to consult on that or offer a package of counselling sessions to employees. So yes, mm. over in, on the Facebook page, there's always a lot of up-to-date news. That's where I've got my, my sort of biggest following. I've got quite a lovely community over there um, that I've built up over the, the last wee while. So that's where most of the updates happen. Um, so yes, it's been an absolute pleasure to be on your podcast today, Mark. And I really thank you for helping me to help other people by getting the word out there that the pet bereavement uh, industry exists. There's a lot mm. of us around. Um, I'm actually part of a network. So yes, do have a, a look at the, the social media pages. You know, I'm happy to work with anybody anywhere. Obviously, mm. at this time, you know, everything's online. I'm not doing face to face consultations. So if anybody wants to work with me, that's great. But if you'd prefer to work with somebody more local, then, you know, I have contacts in England, in Australia, in America. There's a lot of us around. Brilliant. It's unfortunate that nobody really knows that we're here. So mm. I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to let people know that we're here. And my book, How to Recover from Pet Loss, Supporting You on Your Journey to Acceptance, is available on Amazon as either an ebook or a paperback. And I wanted to do a paperback version because I think it's a nice, thoughtful gift. If you yeah. know somebody that has suffered pet bereavement, and if you maybe don't know what to say, it's a, a very thoughtful way of being supportive and saying, I'm so sorry for your loss. I don't know what to say or how to help you, but here's a book that might be of use to you. And we cover all the stages of grief in the book, as well as healthy coping mechanisms and how to support your children and how to support other people. So it's quite a concise book, but mm. got a lot of useful information in there. Well, Wendy, I think you're brilliant and I think you're doing incredible work. Right back at you. Thank you so much for being on Life's Milestones. Thank you. I'd just like to say one more time, thank you so much to Wendy for joining me on Life's Milestones and telling me her stories. And it was a pleasure to have her on. What a wonderful woman doing wonderful work. I immediately fell in love with what Wendy is doing. And I have read her book now. It's called How to Recover from Pet Loss, Supporting You on Your Journey to Acceptance by Wendy Andrew. And you can find that on Amazon for a fiver if you want a paper copy or under a quid if you want to get it for your Kindle. And it's really, really lovely little read for if you have lost a pet and you're feeling sad. And Wendy has been kind enough to put me in touch with more local pet bereavement counsellors that I'm hoping to work with in future. So perhaps Manchester will be getting more pet funerals by me once COVID is more under control and we can get back to our normal lives. 
I've got a few more interviews with folk that I've approached through social media groups on Facebook lined up for the next couple of episodes, but then I will be returning to friends in future, I think. I've really enjoyed doing them so far and I'm very much looking forward to the really interesting guests that I've got coming up. But if you are a person of faith, if you are a Christian or a Sikh or a Muslim listening to this and you would like to come on my show, please do get in touch. All the information you need is on the closing theme of the podcast. So thank you one more time for joining me for Life's Milestones and I'll see you in a fortnight. Life's Milestones is a podcast on the We Made This Podcast Network. The show's host is me, Mark Adams. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at MarkAdamsHC. You can also find me on Facebook. Just search for Mark Adams Humanist Celebrant. My website is humanist.org.uk forward slash Mark Adams. Regular listeners to the podcast can claim a 10% discount on my fees for a naming ceremony or wedding. Just make sure you quote milestones when you get in touch. The theme tune for Life's Milestones is performed by Zach Reagan and the logo was created by Carl Bryan. Follow the show on Twitter at Life's Milestones. Thank you for listening. Elsewhere and we made this. We are Starfleet. Honestly, it felt so great to see the Starship Discovery again. Yeah, out of the out of the frying pan and into the fire, right into the fire. Uh, so, in our previous episode, I had commented on how I felt like uh, all the dramatic tension that the writers built up with Burnham falling kind of felt like ah, all right, all right. But here. I felt the exact opposite. It just seemed like the right blend of tension and risk and what's at stake. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head, and I think there's a couple of reasons for this one, I think. The Giddy Carousel of Pop. So there's one particular thing where, where I think Sylvia just nails the Mannix, absolutely nails them and nails them to this day. And she says, uh, the Mannix mission is a simple one. They want to make music exciting, glamorous and interesting again. Make people wake up out of the boredom and meaninglessness of 20th century life and jump up and down to some good old rock and roll music and think about things and have a laugh because at the end of the day, none of us will ever be happy. And I had to have everything about them immediately. Movie Palace. Before we even think about the book, I suppose, were you coming to this as a Marilyn Monroe fan, uh, particularly? No, not at all. In fact, I'll admit it's very awful, but I knew almost nothing about Marilyn Monroe. I, I mean, I, I knew of her. She's a cultural icon. Yeah. I would say she's even gone beyond that now, and she's almost a symbol. So uh, I knew of her. I had seen a few movies that she'd been in. Although, to be honest, whenever I watched those movies, I wasn't really focusing on her because she was sort of in the background. Check out all of these shows and more on the We Made This podcast network.